Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo and welcome to Side B. Hey guys, what's up? It's Joshua. Um, just wanted to do a little side B to Brian's side A, if you will. Um, I know our schedules have been crazy busy, and we're going to be fixing that soon. But in the meantime, we wanted to put out a little something different, just as a way to still get our thoughts out about Halo, because we still love Halo in the midst of all this crazy stuff that's happened recently, with Star Wars and The Witcher and Christmas being what it is and everything, so... Uh, Brian did a great job, I feel like, on side A, talking about unmet expectations and how they can sometimes set us up for disappointment, um, but also sometimes how they can also ruin what would otherwise be a good experience and, and really taking a slice of analytical pie and um, discussing that. So I wanted to do something a bit differently and flip the script and talk about how, in Halo, how expectations have sometimes... Like having no expectations or just low expectations have sometimes really made me love the games even more. And the first one that comes to mind is Halo Combat Evolved, which I have such fond memories of when I was a kid. My first example being when I saw it in a Game Pro magazine and there were just pictures of people playing it uh, at a LAN party. I didn't even know what a LAN party was, you know? Like, you gotta remember, this was at a time when we didn't have the accessibility we do now of reading a developer blog or Twitter or a gaming website like IGN. You know, the only way we got new information about games was by reading the magazines or word of mouth. And at the time, I didn't know a single dang person who had an Xbox. Everyone had a PlayStation 2. So seeing that, seeing that it was a different thing definitely put Xbox on my radar as a brand. And it made me curious about what this Halo game is. Why is this so big? You know? So, the first time I got to see someone play that, I was immediately hooked. I was like, holy crap, I have to have this game. I have to have an Xbox now. And I think I said this before, but it really made me... It made me feel like the Xbox as a whole, as a brand, whatever games were out at the time, it was probably under 20, were just all like that, all in the caliber. And they weren't, but... Uh, it really goes to show how much that was a killer app for that system. Because uh, the moment I see the Ensign say, come on, we got to get the hell out of here. And the music kicks in for Chief as he you know starts running after the dude gets blown up. Um, 
I was like, wow. Like, whatever this is, I have to have it. I need to, to play the rest of the game. I, I saw the person play the first level, you know, Pillar of Autumn, and then um, he got to Halo, he landed, and then that was it. So I was like, wow. Like, I have to have this now. And I think I had to wait a long time, which I'm sure a lot of people went through as kids. I think Brian did too. So it was tough. But having no expectations in that blew me away because I didn't know what to expect. I just took it as what it was, you know? I didn't have a preconceived notion. So between just the kind of game it was and the twist with the flood and the sort of ambiguous ending it had, I was left so curious about what was going to come next, if anything was going to come next, you know? I didn't know there was the books at the time. And I also didn't... I hadn't seen things like uh, the Alien films at the time, uh, which I feel like, you know, there's a lot of, there's some inspiration for it for sure, going in uh, with the the first Halo game at least. So, you know, it was just completely 100% a brand new experience. And it made me love it, you know? I mean, you know, in real life, like your first impression of somebody often sets what you think of that person forever. You know, in the back of your mind, it's like a default setting. So setting, I don't know why I said it like that, setting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so playing Halo, Combat Evolved, and getting that experience with no preconceived notions, uh, it just, it really defined Halo in a way that I don't think, I think would have been completely differently had I played Halo 2 first or Halo 3 and knew all the buzz and reception about these games. So... You know, and that's something I haven't really got with any Halo game since because it's the first of its kind. It's like the first time you see a Star Wars movie or the first time, you know, you play, like, I don't know, God of War, you know, or, or some other video game. You know, it's just your first experience is always that it's always very unique to you. And it's an experience all in itself in the way the sequels don't capture however good or better they may be. So that brings me to Halo 2. Halo 2 was something I went into with excitement, but I would say low expectations. I felt like I was excited for it as a kid, but again, you know, I, the, the I think they had an I Love Bees campaign, or, or maybe, yeah, I think that's what it was. Brian would know more than I would on that, but I remember kind of hearing about some stuff, you know, like I would read about stuff in some of the magazines, but I didn't have internet, you know? I don't think really anybody did back in 2004. Not not at least people, like kids in middle school and high school and stuff like that. And I was a sophomore, if I'm not mistaken. So it was surreal, but it was also not as big as... You know, like you can go on YouTube and you could see the, the release video of, of Halo 2 and you can see people's reactions and stuff. And you can tell it's a big deal. Um, but I didn't know. I didn't know. And... A lot of that was because of lack of internet. So I remember, in fact, being at school the day it came out. And a couple of my friends just talking about it at lunch. And, you know, I joined in the conversation. And um, I'm sorry, it was the next day. It was the next day. And, and we were talking about it. And one of them had said how, like, it was super busy. You know, the, the lines had been busy. It was crazy. And they're super excited to get back home and play it. And I was like, yeah, my mom. You know, she said she had to wait in a long line and stuff like that. And that was, like, my mom had gone and picked up the game for me while I was at school the, the previous day. So I don't I don't really recall ever having another game get that kind of buzz where there's a long line for it, you know, and you're having to wait. 
So fast forward a while, I play multiplayer, I fall in love, I start to see the whole Xbox Live appeal. Xbox Live, again, was something that my brain just completely ignored because I didn't have internet. So that whole part of Halo 2, which admittedly is probably even bigger than the story in some ways because of how it defined Xbox Live as a whole, you know, uh, it really wasn't something I was factoring in. So I played the game and... You know, I didn't love it as much as Halo 1. I could tell it was a good story, but the Arbiter missions just were bland and boring to me. It wasn't until I got older that I was able to appreciate them. But like, like by Halo 3, I liked the Arbiter. But as I probably by the Master Chief Collection, by 2014, I was like, wow, I really understand what's going on now because I didn't get it at the time. I didn't know he was the one sort of, you know, orchestrating the, the Reach invasion and things like that. So, at least that's what Brian told me. <laughs> Brian knows way more. But, um, you know, again, that was something I, I was excited for. And I started to get the word of mouth with people about Halo 2. But um, it wasn't really until Halo 3 that I had my first experience with expectations. And Brian, I can't remember how he worded it. But Brian told me once in a way that stuck out in my mind. But it was like... I want to say it was Halo 3 was basically there were, there was just nothing bigger in his life. There was nothing at that point in his in his life that was more exciting for him that and he just thought that was the top, you know, the top of the line and nothing like the rest of life would be downhill from there, not in a depressing way, but in a way that just could not meet that level of hype. You know, there just wasn't anything like it and you know, I'll even say as big of a Star Wars fan as I am, uh it's a lot of the movies haven't even met that level of hype that I had for Halo 3. And it was just unreal. There was just nothing like it. Everyone was talking about it. You know, we had the internet now. Um, you had, you know, developer blogs and, and podcasts. And you had, you know, places like IGN, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. So it was just everywhere. You know, there wasn't a shortage of means to talk about it. And granted, I might be biased because, you know, I had internet by that time and some people still didn't, but I, I like to feel like Halo 3 was the one where it was really, uh, you couldn't escape it. You couldn't escape the hype. So I went into that game ready for the multiplayer. So excited for it. I'd play the beta. I liked what I played. I couldn't wait to play more. I was sad that the beta ended, uh, and I was uh, excited for the campaign. I was excited to play it with my friends. Four-player co-op, you know, you had forge mode going in, um, as well as the, the, the already great multiplayer that we had experienced in the beta and Brian, you know, felt a bit underwhelmed by Halo 3 and he loves it now. Um, but at the time, you know, it was, he had a different reaction than I did. And, and my reaction was that I loved it. It, it would, I would say it met my expectations completely. I wouldn't say it necessarily exceeded them, but they were so high. I don't think any other game possibly could. I think Halo 3 did the best job for me that it could have. And that was crazy. That was unlike... I mean, I honestly can't... I, I sit here saying this. I honestly can't think of a time in any other game that I had a same experience where the, the hype was just so high and it just completely... It was able to meet it, you know? And granted, I mean, the way they promoted it, I think, was, was that it was like... You know, it had a sense of finality to it. We didn't know if we were going to have more Halos. And... 
the promotional campaigns were so good. So it really felt like it was going to be this all-out war, you know, and, and I played the game, and, and I just, I, I still to this day have the most fun, I think, in Halo 3's campaign because I love the mission designs. I, I mean, the Corthatana level I'm a little iffy on, but I don't think I hate it as much as other people. I will say, though, that I love the library more because I know those two usually tend to get argued as the uh, the most hated levels or repetitious levels. So, But, you know, having... Like, basically, like, the point I'm trying to make is is you have games like Halo 1 and 2 for me that uh, I had little or no expectations of, and I still love them or came to love them in time. And then with Halo 3, completely night and day difference where my hype and expectations were at an all-time high and it met it. So, you know, there's games, I want to say games like Halo 4 was something I had no expectations in. I didn't know what to expect. And I was disappointed. I love it now, uh, but I still have issues with it. But I'm in a good place with it. You know, games like Halo 5, um, I went in with extremely high expectations and by all means still love the multiplayer. You know, but I still have some issues with the campaign. But I love it. I can honestly say I love Halo 4 and 5. I want them to be here. I don't want them to not exist. You know, I wouldn't want to get rid of them and have 343 take a, a, a new jab at what Halo 4 and Halo 5 is. Uh, but Halo Reach is another good example, you know. Uh, had I didn't really know anything about that one. I was off the gaming radar for a little bit, and I don't even think I was aware that we weren't playing as Chief, and I went into it, and I was like, this is amazing. By the end of it, I was like, I cried, I think. I think I teared up, and I was just like, what is going on? Especially when it gets to that part where it's like, survive. You're just like, holy shit. Like, what? Like, this is how I die? <laughs> you know, it's amazing. So that one really stayed with me. You know, and and uh, that's why I look at something like Halo Infinite as something that I have. My, my expectations are very tempered. Like, my excitement is at an all-time high for that. I think higher than it's, than it's ever been. Being able to talk about Brian so frequently about it. And just interact with you guys and whatnot. It's really, it's really given me a grand scope. Like I just feel like I have all these different facets of Halo. I have all these different options I can turn to and see people talking about Halo Infinite and just the the scuttlebutt and, and all the buzz and get excited for it. But I honestly feel like if hypothetically Halo Infinite turns out to be a game I'm underwhelmed by. I don't think it's going to bother me. I, I'm so open-minded about how they want to do this game and the experience they want to give us. You know, uh, I know, I feel like I feel pretty good like a, that I'm going to love the multiplayer. I mean, out of all the Halo games, my least favorite is Halo 4, and even then, it's still fun to play. So I don't think there's ever been a Halo multiplayer where I'm like, I hate this, I don't like this, it's horrible. You know, only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> so... You know, Halo Infinite is going to be a game where I just think it's good to to keep an open mind about stuff. Like, by all means, get excited. But I think we all tend to fall prey to letting our expectations sort of create a, a narrative in our minds of what the game should be. And then when it doesn't go our way, we get upset. A good example being how a lot of us wanted Luke Skywalker to be going into Last Jedi. You know, and for a lot of people, disappointed. It made them angry. It really affected them. And for other people, it surprised them, and they loved it. So it really goes to show you, I think, with things, that there's no one clear way to do it right. You know, I think Bungie can make 
you know, any kind of game they want. 343 can make any kind of game they want. And no matter how good it is, people, there's still going to be people that don't like it, people that feel disappointed. You know, it's all uh, subjective, I think. So it's just good to be able to go into these things with an open mind, willing to just accept what is there. Uh, and not focus on what we what isn't or or what we didn't get, but but just take what they gave us and and see if we like it, you know, and then form our opinions off that because that's really going to be what rounds out our experience long term, you know. And plus two, those knee we live in a knee jerk reaction society, and those reactions are something that you know really can put other people off of those things, you know. Like you see gaming reviews, and maybe someone will have a subjective opinion of a game. Maybe they don't even have that many. Like you might see something on, let's say, IGN, for an example. I think those they have a great group of people on there. But maybe there might be someone who has never played, um, let's just say as an example, Final Fantasy VII's remake. Maybe they've never played a Final Fantasy before in their life. And maybe they go into it knowing that um, this is only a part one. You're only playing uh, a part you know, of the, the overall game, despite this being, despite them kind of filling it out and making it into a full-length game, right? But they might have a, a different opinion on that. And and granted, to play devil's advocate, it's great to hear someone's perspective who's never played, you know, previous iterations and stuff. It's, it's great. But on the flip end, they might not understand it as much. They might knock it because, oh, they feel like it's not the full game, which, you know, just is, is kind of an incorrect way of looking at it. So I think... I think it really comes down to, you know, you can't let what other people say define your own opinion. Like, by all means, take in what other people say. But the older I get, the more, like, the more when it comes to films, the more when it comes to music, uh, video games, the less I really want to see reviews first before I play or see it or listen. You know, I really want to just dive in first and experience that stuff because I've noticed there's been times where my opinion gets sort of curated a bit by all these different perspectives and sometimes that's good but it can also be bad and you know once once you kind of get to that point it's hard to let go of it especially when you you really are disappointed with something and you a part of you is looking for validation you want to feel like you're not the only one and then you'll find people who are on a hate train and it's hard to not want to get on board that you know, I feel like we've all been guilty of that at some point. So, you know, so that being said, uh, we live in a time where there's so much accessibility, there's so much interactivity and transparency more than ever. It's easy to have our expectations be unrealistically high than they, you know, than ever before, I feel. So uh, it's important it's a paramount importance, I think, to be mindful of that and not try to not put your all your eggs in a basket and, and put all your hopes into them removing Sprint or them removing this or this or this or, or adding this or that. You know, we just have to let Halo Infinite be what it is and stand on its own two feet. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great no matter what. And you know what? If they take out Sprint or if they add something new I didn't know of, like I'm going to judge it on its own merits. Is it going to feel different? Yeah. But if I don't like something, there's always a previous iteration to go back to. You know, I can always go play Halo 5's multiplayer for Sprint if people are playing it still. And uh, I can always go back to MCC if I want classic Halo. You know, I want 
I want to experience Halo Infinite and love it as it is. So whether, you know, like Brian said, there you know the unmet expectations and how they can disappoint us and having expectations that or or none that can either meet the bar, exceed it, you know, it's it's something that I don't know. Expectations just in some ways aren't healthy all the time. It, it, some of them are, but I think when it comes to video games, we just get a little bit unrealistically high because all we can do is wait and imagine and discuss, and it's our our brains just <laughs> take us there. So, but uh, yeah, so that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Uh, but did have a couple um, responses I wanted to get to from a question that Brian asked on the Twitter. So I'm going to pull this up real quick. Um, He said, what would Halo be without the Master Chief? We've seen it done well. Games like ODST, but we're all attached to 117. There have been several Halo games that have taken different approaches to his characterization. Which game by itself best represents Chief as a character? I love this question. Because there's, there's... so many different answers for this. I feel like unanimously I saw a lot of Halo 4 stuff, which I totally get, and I'm going to respond to here in a moment. But, you know, I think that's a great thing. Is It's like with every different Halo, we've had a different kind of a different type of chief, yet it's not felt so different that it feels disconnected to me. So even despite, you know, the Bunchy and 343 transition, like, you know, there's been such a, a vast a vast difference at times, but other times it's like, it's, it's like, the best way I can put it is, you know, you take something like Halo 2 or, or the Bungie era that made you feel like a badass in Halo 4 and 5 where it's, it's very introspective and personal, you know, yet at the same time, I feel like I'm playing the same chief, you know, I'm just getting more of his story, more, a uh, better look at him. So I love it, you know, but I don't know if I could choose a favorite at the same time, but you guys had some great answers, uh, so I picked from about six, and the first one is from Kirsty for Halo at In a Day or Two. I was going to sing it, but my throat is a little little dry, so <laughs> I'm not going to do it, but uh, she said, I say four. The in-game dialogue lets you know what he's thinking, and you see his struggles and contemplations more than ever before. However, I really like his characterization in two. I think it's the one that shows his quippy, confident side and she puts you know boo and give the covenant back their bomb thing so uh i definitely i feel like i feel like that's an answer i really agree with i mean you know my favorite halo games tend to be more on the bungee side but i think 343 has done great um and that that also is i think a really good uh really good example of expectations you know i think a lot of us expected 343 to basically do to basically be bungee you know and they're not. They're their own. And and they've really done things with the Halo universe that I wouldn't want to lose. So going into it, you know, I didn't know what to expect. And sometimes I was underwhelmed. But other times I was like, wow, I love this. And it's just a mix now. It's like having George Lucas era of Star Wars versus Disney era of Star Wars. And maybe I like the George Lucas era more. But there's still plenty of things in the Disney Star Wars that I'm like, I have to have this. Please don't get rid of this, you know. So... There's a lot to love in every different aspect. And and realizing that we don't like something and that it disappoints us at the source, we feel that way because we, we love that stuff as a whole. And we just wouldn't if we didn't if we didn't uh if we didn't care 
we wouldn't be bothered we wouldn't feel disappointed right so but more importantly to what she said yeah i agree i mean i i I think four is the best one because it shows such a sense of humanity of chief and even when i first played that and i felt confused and disappointed i was still really loving the chief and cortana dynamic that was something i wanted back in the bungee era and i finally got to get that so really everything else around that i was like not digging at first but even when I replay it, I'm just I like it more and more because of just how central the focus is on Cortana and Chief, and just how you see it affects him, how much you see he cares for Cortana, and how he's how it's implied he's worried. You can just tell, you know. And but then at the same time, like she said, you know, and two uh, that that quippy and confident side. I mean, it's great too because there's that badass side, you know. So it just goes to show that I think Chief's a very complex dude. You know, we don't get it. You don't have to see his face to know. So, but uh, the next one was by I'm gonna, I might mispronounce this, and if I do, I'm super sorry. Uh, but it's Ryoji at Ryoji Gunblade, and this person said, "I like Combat Evolved Chief dialogue, but with Halo Two Chief action." I selected this one because Brian actually put it into my brain, and it has not been able to get out now. But like, Chief in Combat Evolved was like amazing, like. Like he had so much depth to him, and I just didn't really think about that until Brian put the thought in my head. But like when I replay it now, I really feel that way. I mean, he's very quiet at first, but when things start to pick up with the twist and everything, you know, like when he's talking to Cortana, I think it's on two betrayals. You know, he's like, "Hold on," you know. I mean, you really, you really get to see a different side of him that we don't get in the other Halos. So for that reason, I really love it. And at the same time, when I look all the way back, like I have to remember. That's the chief I fell in love with, you know? Like, Halo 2 reaffirmed it. Halo 3 just did the same thing, you know, and, and, and again and again and, and whatnot. But Halo 1 was where it all started for me. So that was really my definitive version of chief, you know? And I feel like every game has expanded upon that more. But yet you have a sort of different chief. Like, it's... But not in a way that's bad. I don't know how to explain it. Brian could word it better. I'm sure if he's listening to this, he's probably going to be like, yep, I'm already thinking it. But... Yeah, I think that's super well said. I, I really I really agree with that, too. Um, and with Halo 2 Chief Action, because he's just such a badass. I mean, whatever problems they had making Halo 2, they did such a good job, guys. I mean, it goes without saying, right? Like, their goal was to be bigger, better, and more badass. And I think the badass part specifically, I really felt. I felt like such a badass. So, yeah, great answer. James at Xbox underscore Tech Junkie said, I say all of them. One through three were best when it came to the soldier soldier side of Chief, but four and five are the best for the human side. Definitely agree, too. Um, It's a unique perspective as well because one through three, I feel like, yeah, it made you feel like a badass, right? And it did show you a bit of emotion, but we didn't really get the death of that until three like at that point in time that was the most we got to see chief be vulnerable you know for cortana so when we got into halo four and then five like you really get to see a more emotional side of chief uh like the part of me that felt like halo three showcased his vulnerability you know it really redefined what it meant to be vulnerable when you get to halo four so I definitely agree with that. I love 343's approach to Chief. And that actually makes me even more excited for Infinite because I know 
that they've had. You know, they heard all the feedback about how we barely got to play as chief. So you know we're going to be playing as chief. I think they've even said that it's going to be all chief. But you you know you got to know you got to think like it's going to be interesting to see how his character gets explored dealing with you know this evil cortana or or just just the results of what came from halo 5 i think that's going to be so cool and so emotional so great answer um anthony anthony nicolsoli i'm so sorry man if i mispronounce that i'm terrible at pronouncing names that's why brian usually does this stuff uh, but at bramola um he said halo 2 I mean, is there anything more defining than slinging a space pickle down a cruiser's throat? Which, dude, I picked it because of that. Like, I, I've never thought of the, the bomb as a space pickle. But now I can't see it as anything but. So, uh, yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely a great chief. I mean, who doesn't love Halo 2's chief? I mean, that's Brian's favorite Halo campaign. And uh, that's, my, that's one of my favorite multiplayers. Like, outside of 5, that's my favorite. Well, no. I'd say three, but still, you get the point. Like, Halo 2 is just the game that really made Xbox Live become what it is today, you know? And, and even to an extent, it really helped other things like PlayStation round out their online service and stuff. I mean, look, I love PlayStation, but you can't pretend like they didn't take a look and see what was going on and think, okay, well, let's do this and let's do that, so... And vice versa. But, you know, it was really the first one to to form up that, you know, thanks to Max Overman, the matchmaking lobbies and, and party system and everything, so... Yeah, Master Chief just feels like such a badass in that game, more than any other Halo game, you know? He's still very... He's the strong, silent type, but we have a sort of playful side, like Kiersey said, with the boo and stuff like that. But you also have the giving the Covenant back their bomb, badass side of him. So there's just... There's a lot there to love of, Chief. It's great. So, let's see... um, Pozaf at Pozaf1 says he's not meant to be a fleshed out character in the games. He's supposed to be a vessel for the player to experience the story. Halo 4's chief just made the games less immersive and that extended to Halo 5. Halo 3 did him the best. This is a good perspective, I think, too. You know, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I totally respect it because, you know, Halo 4's. Halo 4 really, really took the chief in a, in a different, different way. I mean, I, I pretty much already said that, but, you know. Yeah, I do feel like Halo Combat Evolved is the one Halo, uh, similar to Reach in a way, but specifically with Chief, where I felt like I'm him. You know, I'm a, this is as much him as I've ever been, you know. But I don't know if it was necessarily... Like, I, I always still kind of feel like Chief. You know, I always still feel like I'm him going through the experiences, despite knowing it's John. But he said Halo Force Chief just made the games less immersive and then extended to Halo 5. That's totally fair. I totally respect that. I mean, he was so humanized and personalized in a way in the 343 games that for the people that really liked feeling like you were in his, you know, suit, um, you don't get that as much probably with those games. So I can I can definitely see that side of it. I can definitely. But at the same time, I really like it because, you know, I, I wanted to see more. I wanted to know more about Chief, and I really wanted that Cortana dynamic that um, we got just a little a little taste of in Halo 3. But again, totally respect that. The last one is from Connor Doyle at XXCFT Doyle XX. And he says, I hope they take a path in writing him like they did in 4. Because sure, he is badass in Bungie's games. But 4 made him out to be a more human character underneath the armor. With potentially sad story growing up in the Spartan program. The fall of Anakin to Darth Vader made me appreciate the character much more when you saw how he was manipulated and lost everything. 
great, great answer. Love this one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much what I've already said, but it really... Halo, okay, Halo 4, uh, Halo 4 and 5's Chief really helped me reappreciate the Bungie Chief. Like, when I go back and play through the Bungie games, I actually really love knowing all the stuff that comes in from 4 and 5 with Chief. Like, the vulnerability, the humanity side, you know? And even now that I've read a bit more of the books like Fall of Reach, The Flood, and I'm, I've been going through First Strike slowly, but uh, just getting to see more of that, you know, it's really enhanced that. You know, it's one of those things where when you first play Combat Evolved, you have you don't have the preconceived notions. You know, if it's your first Halo experience, at least. So, as each Halo game comes out, the world building is bigger. You know, it gets more expanded upon. But, you know, then you get to Halo 4 and 5, and by that point, there's so much, you know, there's so many books and comics and, and stories, you know, that you have a more well-rounded out idea of what this person is like. So it's nice to look back at Halo Combat Evolved for me personally and see the the stories and adventures he goes through and, and, and the, the transition and character development and how he's affected by things, how he handles things and deals with things. And Halo 5 is a great example of that. And it's something that I feel like it deserves more credit for is even though you know I personally wanted more Blue Team, I didn't like how they were brought in. I love Blue Team. And getting to see Chief with his squad was something that was unique, hadn't been done, and I still loved it. Like, I wanted more of it because I loved it, and I wanted it, I wanted a more friendly introduction for people who hadn't read the books, you know? I, I wanted them to hold the hand of, of the gamers a bit, you know? So you're not... Like, I don't think... I don't think expanded universe content should ever be required reading or, or ingesting, so to speak, you know? But, uh, you know, when you get to that, it's it's pretty interesting, you know. And, and, and like he said, with the fall of, you know, Darth Vader. I'm sorry, the fall of Anakin to Darth Vader, helping him preach. Uh, wow, appreciate the character even more. Getting to uh, see how he was man- manipulated and what he lost and stuff. Um, I completely agree with that, you know. Like on the Star Wars side, you know, it really enhanced for me how I went through the original trilogy. Knowing what happened to him in the prequel trilogy and what he went through. So when I see Halo 4 and 5 and I kind of know this story, even though it's a sequel and not a prequel like Star Wars, it helps me better appreciate what I know of in the Bungie games, you know? I I love it. I love it. It's one of those things where, you know, the older I get, the more I have, the more critical I get. But, you know, the the more self-aware I get too, and I realize I'm like that, and I want to just enjoy things for what they are, so... You know, I completely agree that four is the best chief to me. And I don't think that's a fact. I think everyone's opinion is valid. I know a lot of people wouldn't agree with me on that. But I love his humanity. I, I love chief as a character. And, you know, I think honestly, if I was ever at an outpost discovery and I saw the statue of him, I think I'd get emotional just looking at him because you, you a part of you feels like you've been in that suit. Another part of you feels like you've been right there with him the entire time. Like he's this friend, you know. And uh, it's starting out to get a bit sappy just thinking about that, you know. But, yeah, all great answers, guys. Uh, absolutely love uh, getting to see your guys' answers. Um, I try to try to do my best to uh, see all of them, read all of them. And Brian just keeps those questions coming, and they're so, so good. And it just reminds me of how much I love seeing 
the positivity in the Halo community. Just people, people love Halo. You know, there was just a, a period for a while where people were just frustrated with Halo and the direction it was taking. But now you start seeing people just how it's a nice reminder of why people fell in love with Halo and why they love Halo and why they're excited for more Halo. So Brian's doing a great job with that. And you guys are doing, you guys are giving such great answers. I love it. Love it so much. But anyway, uh, if you guys are interested in seeing more of those questions, if you're listening to this for the first time and you're like, wow, what is he talking about? I'm curious. Check us out at Sacred Icon Halo on Twitter. Okay. Brian posts some great questions. I'm in there with some questions sometimes. And got to say, it's fun. We get to interact with one another and with the community and we just get some some fun stuff going. Sometimes it's not even Halo related, although it more it tends to be more so Halo related. But if you if you like Halo, but you still like some other stuff too, we're gonna we're gonna ask questions like that sometimes. It's just fun to nerd out together, right? So if you ever want to talk to me personally, you can do so by following me at Jovial Joshi and Brian at Brian's Bane. We have a website, we have a Patreon, we have a Discord. Be sure and check those out. Um, if you guys ever have any questions you want to ask the show, uh, feel free to email us at sacrediconhalo at gmail.com or just go ahead and tweet at us and we will read it off on the show. Um, getting questions is, is so much fun and, and interacting with you guys and, and just picking, picking brains like, you know, I, I realize I'm on this. Uh, I, you know, Brian and I have a voice, you know, that you guys are listening to and you guys are right there and maybe you're hearing us say things and you're like, you're thinking your own thoughts and opinions where you might agree or disagree. But, you know, it's great to have a chance for you guys to have your voice be heard and because, you know, uh, that's entirely valid and, and we want to hear that. So definitely do that if you guys are ever interested or you want to, if you have a lot of stuff to say. So, yeah, that's it for now. Uh, I think the next time Brian and I record, we're going to be hitting you with uh, an episode where we are back together, reunited, and it's going to feel so good. So... Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Sacred Icon Halo podcast. He was Brian, and I'm Joshua. Thanks so much, guys. Peace.